Hi y'all, this is Stephanie Kimu, and welcome back to the Angry Africans podcast. This podcast is about Black anger and what it's done for all of us. So I'll be in conversation with my favorite angry African thinkers, creatives, and activists from the continent and the diaspora to get to know why they mad and what they're doing about it. I love my Black doulas. And in this episode, I want to celebrate them and really unpack why they are so vital to the Black birthing community. What we know is that Black people are three to four times more likely to die from childbirth-related complications than anyone else. What we know is that infants born to Black people are dying at twice the rate of infants born to anyone else. And no, these statistics are not because of a lack of education or the socioeconomic status of Black people. Research shows us that no matter what Black folks bring into a birthing experience, because of white supremacist violence that impacts the rest of our lives, that same violence is inevitably going to impact our birthing experiences. I gave birth to my first child last year. And even with me being a doula, even with me being educated, quote unquote, of a certain economic bracket and having a really clear understanding of the English language, I still experienced a doctor yelling at me while I held my baby in the NICU. I still felt disoriented, rushed into a quote-unquote emergency cesarean, which felt really traumatic and resulted in a long and lengthy recovery that I'm still working through today. I'm unfortunately not someone who had a birth doula at my cesarean. I'm unfortunately not someone who really prepped for a cesarean. But what I did have was a team of postpartum doulas that honestly saved my partner and I. And in today's episode, I'm chatting with one of my postpartum doulas, Leah of Sweet Bee Doula. And Leah is quite frankly on a mission to educate Black folks about our full spectrum of possibilities when we are birthing. Leah is a full spectrum traveling doula and she supports mostly black families and envisioning a birth that feels safe and peaceful. And so we talk about why birth and community is our ancestral right, why white parents are not thinking about dying during birth the same way we are, and how liberation is at the core of her doula and her life philosophy. I hope this episode feels healing. I hope it's informative and I hope it just illuminates the fact that we are really all we have. Leah, welcome to the Angry Africans podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited. You know how I feel about doulas. First of all, you as my doula, um, you know how I feel about you. I am so excited to use and leverage this episode to illuminate the power of doulas and the absolute I find y'all to be and I should say we because I was once trained as a doula but and everyone is a doula I feel like but then we got doulas like you my baby that's different 
I guess I want to start with just a small introduction of who you are, where you come from, and what really pulled you to start being a doula. But actually, before you say that, we got to tell the people what a doula is. So can you answer that question first? Oh, absolutely. So doula comes from the Greek word for servant. And a doula is a trained professional who supports people in the reproductive experiences um, as they are navigating having a baby or not having a baby so that they can make informed decisions um, and have the physical, emotional, and mental support needed for a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. An experience they they envision for themselves. That's the, yes. And who are you, ma'am? Who are you, Leah? <laughs> I am Leah Hairston. I am a full spectrum doula. I am a social worker. I am an advocate for reproductive justice and social justice in every avenue. Um, I'm also a dog mom, but I am a proud graduate of Howard University and Columbia University. And I am most proud to be the CEO and founding doula behind Sweet Bee Services based in Baltimore, Maryland. Wonderful. And you are also somebody who guided me through postpartum last year after a very trying pregnancy and a physically trying birth, cesarean birth. I fell into your arms basically (laughs) very early into my postpartum journey. And Mm -hmm. I think that the thing that my partner and I always knew about you is that you do this doula work and you support families and you support the babies, especially the the smallest babies. And my baby was a NICU baby. Um, so they were just coming out of the NICU a few, maybe two months before you met them. And so I just always felt, and Mikhail and I always felt like you do this work, like it is not work. And that's such a beautiful experience to witness. And I, I guess I'm really interested with knowing knowing what I know about you, but I really would love for you to clarify even further why you became a doula, why at this time in your life, you know, why, why, what was the sense of urgency or the emotion or the anger that really fueled your decision? Yeah. I so appreciate your high praise in saying that, um, it seemed effortless because I truly love what I do. (laughs) I do believe that being a doula is a calling. Um, And so I answered uh, the call that honestly I had heard on my life since I was like three or four years old. It took me a good 20 years before I finally said, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, I feel bold enough and courageous enough now to do something about it, but also incited by the, the information I gained about um, how dangerous it is uh, to be very honest for black bodies and Black people um, in general in the reproductive health care uh, spectrum, I should say. And so back when I was like two and three, my mom would catch me um, reading books. And I love books. I'm an avid reader. But she would always find me in her collegiate textbooks picking out pictures of a uterus or somebody breastfeeding or somebody about to give birth. And I had all these questions like, so how does this work? And who's involved? And what like what is going on? Um, and so as I grew older, she was like, girl, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, they just, we have babies, make sure you're safe. Let's talk to your doctor. And so, um, my doctors, thankfully I, I had a black OB when I was in high school and she let me shadow her. 
And Stephanie, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, there's a lot that goes into this. No one had ever talked to me about a pap smear. No one had ever talked to me about, you know, how to be an, an advocate for yourself in the healthcare experience. And so I wanted to be able to do that for folks. And I'd heard about doulas, but I didn't know that black doulas existed ignorantly um, because I never saw them. I just was like, okay, I guess white people get doulas and they get to be in birthing centers and black folks seem to be in hospital beds. So that's pretty much the only option. Um, And so when I was in graduate school at Columbia, one of my classmates was becoming a doula and she was black. And I said, wait, 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 they're, they're black doulas. How do I do this? Like, who do I get connected to? And so I completed my training and it was as if my eyes had finally, like all the dots finally were connected. My eyes were opened. I was like, this is what I have been looking for. This is this ancient knowledge and wisdom about how to care for our bodies naturally, how to you know, use Western intervention when necessary, but not to rely on it as a main way to like move through life um, and how to really make sure that people have someone by their side who knows them intimately and who can help them to make decisions that best fit their desires and their needs. And so I finished my training. And I had like eight weeks in between my two years in, um, in graduate school. And I spent every week at a birth. I was like, I was going back and forth to client consults. I was traveling the many boroughs of New York to be by people's sides as they were navigating very um, intimate, but also very like crisis oriented experiences. I had some clients who needed um, emergent foster care support. I had some clients who only spoke Spanish. I had some clients you know, who were in the midst of a housing crisis. And so being able to be a social worker and a doula, sitting with people and saying, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Can you help me understand what is most important to you? How do you want to move about this? And how can I make sure you have the resources necessary to have the experience that you want to have? Um, So that's the the long-winded version of saying, I knew I had a calling from childhood to be involved in reproductive health and wellness, especially for Um, black and brown women in particular. And I didn't know how to answer that call until I was in my graduate studies and I found a doula training. And once I was trained, I realized there's this beautiful intersection between um, like caring for our bodies in a way that feels good for us and being able to use the interventions of Western medicine and science that is not often permitted for black and brown bodies. And that's what I want to be able to offer to people. Wow. I'm just here like in awe. I mean, it's (laughs) everything you're saying is as a black person who has birthed, but also as a black person who has done a doula training, it really is astounding how our, once you see something, you cannot unsee it. Once you see a black doula, you only kind of are looking then for black doulas. You're looking for black birth workers. And, but before that moment, it did seem for me for so long uh, that Black people birthed, you know, in hospitals and that everyone else could birth wherever they wanted. And I just hearing you say that made me realize, oh, shit, I I had that thinking, too. Where the hell did that come from? And it's like, you know, all of the white supremacist um, stimuli that we take in that often says we as Black people are something to fix we are something to monitor. We are something to police. And why wouldn't that extend to our birthing experiences? And I think that, you know, for me, when my first birth was seeing my niece Nicolette born and 
her mother is, you know, this beautiful Congolese woman who is within a beautiful Congolese family. And so we were all in that birthing room. <laughs> 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 it was me, my, my brother, um, her mom, her aunt, her sister. We were in there and that felt so natural as African people, as black people in the diaspora. And then I moved to Tanzania and I saw births there. And that was sisters, mothers, cousins, everybody, except um, no men usually. But, and so I guess because that's what I always experienced, I also started thinking about my philosophy for birth as maybe a little more ancestral than most Black people maybe could have imagined because they weren't able to see how Black people come together and birth on the continent. And then even in the diaspora with the culture, people were coming together to birth around my niece. And that was my birth philosophy. And I guess I'm really interested in, I know doulas, each of you have your own kind of birthing philosophy or philosophy on how you want to support. I really would love to hear that because we, I think it's so essential to understand that doulas are supporting in a non-medical way, but each each doula has their own philosophy that really you have to find who aligns with you to ensure that you have the best and safest and most peaceful birthing experience. So yeah, what is your philosophy? I do believe in a community experience. Um, part of why I am a doula is because I'm reclaiming the lost art and science of caring for ourselves and our communities well. Um, and from a place of love. And so I explained to my clients, like in my consultations, I come from a trauma-informed background. I am a social worker. I spent most of my career, um, even before I was a social worker, studying how to support Black and Brown women as we are healing from sexually traumatic experiences and what that looks like from a communal perspective um, and a societal perspective. So what is included in how I love on people as a doula and how I support them is always going to be through the lens of both big T and little t trauma and how it can impact our lives and how we need to be conscientious of that. Um, I also believe in a family-centered approach. And like you said, family could be aunties and it could be sisters and it could be cousins. It could be you know grandmothers. And some people don't have those people physically with them anymore. And so what we often are doing is figuring out who is it within your support circle within your life that makes you feel safe and seen and heard? And how do you want them to play a role in this experience of welcoming new life into your world? Um, and so I think that's really important because I love the language that you put to it. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm talking about when I say birth team. It's not just, you know, your, um, your doctor and or your midwife or your doula, but we come alongside you to support in one aspect and your family, your loved ones, your support circle, they can come alongside the birthing person and the, the new family in a different aspect. And so we all play very particular roles, but we work together to make sure that that new unit, whether it's a dyad or triad or anything else, is able to um, you know, move into parenting, move into this new experience as a family without the strains and the stressors that a you know, an individualistic capitalistic society puts on us. When you have those people by your side, it can be, it can be, and it should be a lot smoother because there will be bumps regardless of whether or not you have a support system. 
now that I look back on it, I, w- I guess I would have never imagined I had a team, but I did have, I mean, the births, I had a cesarean, so it was just Mikhail and I. Um, because of COVID, we couldn't have who was supposed to be my birth doula there. Shout out to Zainab, who, you know, supported me, who was a DMV doula, who supported me throughout my pregnancy and prepping me. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to be in the cesarean room. And then after the baby came out, I mean, it was you, it was Joanne, who, um, Luna Dula in DC, in, in the DMV, who was taking care of the baby at night, <laughs> twice or three times a week, so I could sleep, and Raquel and I could sleep. There was you, you were coming during the day, supporting us. There was Vanessa, who was amazing, another amazing doula. I'll link all of these people. Damn, I did have a team. <laughs> you needed a team. <laughs> yes. And honestly, Steph, that's how everybody should be able to experience it. Like, I know that you did not have the birth that you all had planned. You had a difficult pregnancy. It was a hard transition for you. And you had a team. And so regardless of how people choose to view their birth and their pregnancy, you need someone by your side who's well-versed in this experience. Like, you know, this is your first, your first birth, your first pregnancy. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of, am I doing this right? Is my milk supposed to look like this? Do I even want to keep doing this? Am I, do I want to make these changes? And for a doula to come alongside someone, it's not to be a space of like, here's what you do and how you do it. But it's a non-judgmental, I see you, I hear you. Let's cry it out. Let's talk it out. Let's laugh it out. Let's dance it out. Let me, you know, find additional people to support you where I can um, so that you have what you want and what you desire and what you deserve, honestly. Listen, and I think just hearing you say say that is affirming because I was, Mikhail, you know, Mikhail is a a cool, cool, cool as a cucumber. Um, yes. <laughs> but just, I mean, we were both very terrified at varying levels and degrees of just birthing in the United States as black people. And I guess my next question for you is when you do work with black parents, black folks to prepare for the birth that they want, what do you think they're most terrified of like what what do you think what is it that you're hearing over and over from black folks in terms of what they're scared of what they want to prevent death they don't want to die they don't want their baby to die and then number two would be trauma like okay if i'm going to be alive that's great but i don't want to leave scarred from this experience and that is a that is a hard reality to, to have to sit with. Like my white clients are not scared necessarily of dying. They're scared of postpartum depression or of, you know, some sort of mental health concern on the, in the postpartum experience or lack of support and not knowing what to do um, of something happening to their baby and them not being able to do anything. My black clients and I have 99% black mamas and a hundred percent black babies. They're, Hands down, the number one thing partners and the birthing person will say is, I don't want you to die. I want you to come home whole. I guess I never actually thought about that. You know, you you hear it all the time. And I guess it was a singular fear for us, you know. Um, And even when I thought about this question of like, I wonder what Leah hears all the time from Black parents. I did think like, 
you know, I know I was scared to die. I know Michaela was scared I was going to die. I was terrified that the baby was going to die. I guess I didn't realize that. So, you know, clearly all black people are fe- fearing this, you know, and it, I don't know. I thought you were going to say like <laughs> my milk, you know, I'm terrified of having an emergency cesarean, but it's just like, it really, it really hit me. Yeah. And I guess it's also like for that to be our reality as black people, that it says so much that you have 99% clients, uh, black clients, and you stay booked and busy. And so these are are a lot of black folks who, and all of them are fearing death. Why are we so scared? What are the biggest threats to us while we're birthing? Oh, well, aside from the fact that we're black in the U.S. and that just (laughs) puts a target on your back regardless, um, my clients are fearful of not being heard when they say something is wrong and then someone being like, oh, no, it's not that serious. Like, we'll check in on it a little bit. No, it could be serious. Um, There's often this fear of not being heard because of the power dynamics that are perceived between a birthing person and their practitioner. And I have to remind my clients all the time, you technically hire your doctors. Like you can always choose your, you can choose a different provider. You can choose a different hospital. And if you can't, then we can do that, you know, within the space, you can always ask for different people to be, to be there with you and to tell, you know, the charge nurse or the doctor, like I, this person does not make me safe. They're not allowed in my birthing space anymore. Like you have that right, but we don't know that we have that right. And so there's a lot of fear around the uncertainty of who's going to be there. What's supposed to happen? Is my baby doing what they need to do on the inside? Am I doing anything to harm my baby? Um, you know, like what's like a lot of uncertainty, what is going to happen? And so what I see my job as, as an educator is to say, well, here's what usually happens. Here's how we can prepare. We're going to look for these signs of, you know, labor progressing. We're going to look for, These markers, when you go to your doctor, ask these particular questions to help answer and alleviate your fear, answer your questions, and also help them to see like, hey, I know know a little bit about what's going on. Here's where I need you to break down the information for me. Here's where I need additional resources. How we can, I use that as a way to re-empower my clients and remind them of their power mostly. We all have the inherent power to, in my, my personal opinion is, we have the inherent power to have experiences that we want to have and that suit us best, that are most authentic to who we are. But sometimes we have to be reminded, especially when you are a Black female presenting person in the U.S. or just Black person in general, you have to be reminded that you have that power because everything else around us tells us that we do not. Tells us we can't speak up. What we want doesn't matter. What we have to say doesn't matter. No one's going to listen to us. And I remind my clients, no, you matter first and foremost. What you say matters what you want matters and we're going to make it happen. I don't care if I have to move mountains, we're going to make it happen. Wow. And that makes me think, you know, I think, I feel like I compromised a lot. Um, even with everything I knew about birth, even with having gone through different births already, uh, attending people's births, having gone through my doula training, having been a doula to people in person and virtually, even with all of that, Leah, I still compromised. Um, I think from the beginning of the pregnancy till the very end, I was compromising on how I was being 
spoken to, even the idea that I could pick my provider (laughs) felt, I, I think I definitely compromised with that. I didn't pick somebody who probably was best aligned. I, I felt like being black and then with COVID and with the reality of, you know, a lot of the choices that non-black folks have are attached to abundant wealth that keeps coming all the time, you know, you feel, you feel limited. And so you start compromising. And I guess, what do you think when you prep your, your clients for birth, you know, where you, you talked about the birthing team, you really preparing the entire team to support this birthing person. You talked about even just really having that advocacy spirit within your doula and yourself to be able to say, I don't want this and I don't want this. How do you build up a a, a parent to do all of the, you know, do all of the things that we have to do while we're birthing. I guess I'm, I don't want to come off convoluted, but I, I, I feel like doulas help us prep, but there's so much happening at once. It still feels like I'm not ready. I don't know enough this, you know, you're only giving me a few seconds to make this decision. I guess, how do you prepare parents, black parents for the, the chaos (laughs) that, You know, that will inevitable for a birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. It goes back to very foundational principles. I remind my clients, and I have to remind myself of this every day, to treat yourself like a child. Okay, when kids are having a temper tantrum, it's usually about something that's kind of minor, but it feels gigantic in the moment. And so we have to help them come back out of emotions down to out of the big, big emotions down to the foundational things. So, you know, if a toddler is crying, maybe it's that they really just wanted water or maybe they're hungry or maybe they're sleepy. So if we can treat ourselves as children and figure out, all right, I need to take some deep breaths to reoxygenate my body and allow myself space to think. Have I eaten something? Have I had some water? Am I tired? Okay, if I check those boxes, now I can start to process what is going on in my body, what's going on in my mind and my spirit. And so oftentimes I'm working with my clients, like my clients book me towards the end of the first trimester often. So we have at least six months sometimes to work with each other, to learn each other, to learn, you know, what are some cues? How are you feeling? Where are the areas where you tend to slack off and where you need support? Um, How can I help you reconnect your mind and your body? Because a lot of my clients have... um, have had traumatic experiences that we don't go into depth about, but we are mindful of so that we can allow the mind and the body to reconnect and realign so that we can move forward in a, from a space of feeling safe and secure. And so oftentimes I'm talking about, okay, well, let's, let's, let's sit for a moment. You can always say, Hey, there's a lot going on. Can I have a couple minutes to think? And it feels like that can be a very difficult thing to say, but when we learn to practice that repeatedly, when it gets to, you know, it's like I tell people, it's like a playbook. When we have a playbook for a sports game, we're going to go to practice and we're going to try out our plays. We're going to go to practice and practice our plays. And we're going to keep doing that, keep doing that and keep doing that until it becomes muscle memory. So that when we get to game day, if we do need to take a timeout, we say, oh, you know, we were going to run this play. I need a moment to think. Timeout. We're going to take a timeout. I need everybody out. It's me and my partner. Sometimes I'm there with people. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> and I say, you all, here's what the doctor has presented. Do you understand what they're saying? Okay, great. 
Do you understand what the various options are? Okay, let's talk about that. I'm going to give you about five minutes. You all go ahead and talk, talk, figure out what you'd like to do. I'll step out of the room and then I'll come back and then we'll, we'll figure out how you want to move forward. Um, and so sometimes I do that physically. Sometimes I do that virtually. But my role is to make sure that I, um, like a coach, am seeing what's going on from a different perspective and can really empower my clients to, to articulate what they need and how they need it um, within the space that fits their, their desires best. And you know what's <clears throat> so phenomenal about you is, I, you know, that's why you're the right doula for me and you were the right doula for me because I am deeply introspective and both me and my partner are deeply introspective and our spiritual practices are always about looking inward. And so we weren't very drawn to, you know, birth education classes. We were drawn more to this idea of how do we start conditioning ourselves, our minds and our bodies to prep for game day. And so everything you're saying is just, it resonates so much. You're such a phenomenal doula. And the fact that, you know, you're encouraging clients to, to look inward, another, Another just spectacular example of how you're flipping this on its head. I feel like a lot of other doulas, a lot of other providers are telling clients that you have to be able to react to external forces and you have to be able to absorb external forces and prepare yourself for all of the things that are coming your way because people are going to start going to try to trick you and lie to you. And there are some doulas who are very um, kind of fear mongering. And I think what makes you a really important doula and what people should look for when they look for a doula is somebody who is like, fear is an external force that doesn't have to come into our space. The space that we're creating, like, ooh, Come on. And so it's just like, speak more about, can, may, may you please speak a little bit more about that returning back to love in terms of a birthing experience and how you help people get back there. Yeah. I, I think it aligns with what you were saying about being introspective. I, um, I just know that that's been so important for me. And I think it, it is important to acknowledge that Tension and anxiety, and once again, I'm a social worker, so I'm always going to go back to to my like you know counseling roots. But um, when we allow tension and anxiety to build up around us, us playing into it is only going to be like a child putting their finger in a socket. It's only going to you know explode more. But when we sit in the chaos and we say, you know what, let me focus on what I can control. I can control my breathing. I can control what I'm focusing on. I can control what I'm allowing to to take place right now in my body. Okay, I feel grounded. And when we get back to that groundedness, then we're not reacting. We're being, um, you know, we're we're not reacting from a place of like over stimulation. We are moving forward from a place of a of a clear decision. Um, one of my all-time favorite authors is Bell Hooks, and she wrote all about love, uh, which is a book that ex- it helps us to develop a love ethic. And she gave language to what I had been trying to 
to curate in my own world and what is a part of my practice with Sweet Bee Services is that all that I do is from a space of groundedness and love. If my cup is not full, I cannot pour out well. And yes, I am booked and busy, but I have been able to to develop practices that allow me to function from wholeness and groundedness and love so that what I am giving to others is never from emptiness or resentment or bitterness or like fear. It is because I have been in those dark places and I have been with people in dark places that we know what the light also looks like. And so I try to make sure that my clients find space to love on themselves, to love their partners, and then to also love their babies. And some people are like, well, it has to start with the baby first. I disagree, actually. I feel that when my birthing clients have space to maybe it's sit in the shower for 30 minutes, maybe it's go take a walk by yourself, <laughs> um, you know, for 45 minutes, maybe it is to maybe you love to read and you just want to sit in a corner undisturbed, whatever that looks like. Having a regular practice where you get space for your mind and body to be settled allows you to be able to then engage in your romantic partnerships from a healthier space, allows your partner that space to also then get some time alone and come reconvene so that you all can fun- can move forward from a healthy space. And then that is that overflow that then fills into your baby. And so often when I see clients who can develop this practice during their pregnancy or early in the postpartum experience, they get to live out parenting in the way that they want to. They want to be, you know, gentle parents or they want to be emotionally attuned parents. But when they're moving out of fear and exhaustion and anxiety, the capacity to to live in love is not there the same way. And so helping them to step back, be like be like a child. There's a lot of big emotions. Oh my God, what am I doing? Okay, I'm gonna breathe. I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna get to the root of what it is that I need and what I want. And then I'm gonna make a decision and move forward accordingly. Then they can pour into their families the ways that they want to. And that's where we see generational change, where my hope is that my sweet bee babies, when they are, you know, ready to have their own children one day, if they desire, they don't have to birth from a place of fear because they will know, oh, no, I'm not worried about anything. I'm good. You're going to listen to me. I am safe. I am to be respected and I am going to dictate what's going on. And I'm going to work with people who understand my medical needs and my emotional needs and my you know, spiritual needs and curate a team of people, a village of people who are just going to help me soar and move on to the next level. Um, and so I'm, we're going to see that happen. <laughs> One of the plethora of exciting things about you as a doula and you as a person in this world is that I do think you center liberatory practice. Like I think your praxis is to live freely, see what happens, adjust, live freely, see what happens, adjust. And that is absolutely your praxis. And I think you are rooting everything you do in the idea that black people have to be free and black people will be free. And it's, it's wonderful. And I wonder, I think, how are you, because you also teach doulas how to be doulas. Um, which is a thing I wish I had known you, uh, you know, I went to an amazing doula training program, um, with Beanie doula in LA, but I wish I had gone to your training as a black woman as well, because yeah, I can, I can so imagine how you infuse liberation into the way that you train doulas. And so please speak a little bit about the fact that black people are experiencing 
and carrying our trauma into our birthing experiences, you are creating, based on your praxis around liberation, this way of being a doula and way of supporting us as kind of the answer to the things that we're angry about. But on top of that, on top of that, you're superimposing your ability to train other people to be doulas. And so can you just talk to us really quickly about why you wanted to start training other folks to be doulas? I mean, I'm sure you have a huge list of people who want to be trained by you, but, um, and how are they experiencing that training? You know, what, what's going on and what's important to you about that piece of your work? I come from educators. So that also helps. I, um, you know, kids growing up play pretend. And one of the ways I played pretend was that I was um, stuffing a pillow up my shirt and pretending to push it out and having a sibling, like teach me how to breathe. I was five. Like, why am I five? Being like, Um, and my siblings, like, they just remember this <laughs> vividly. They were like, oh, yeah, that was that wasn't normal other places. Apparently not just in the Harrison home. Um, but the other way that I play pretend <laughs> was I was always teaching somebody something. Either I was like writing out lessons on the board or I was, you know, instructing my siblings on how to be potty trained and how to read. Um, so teaching others is part of my natural bent, which I'm really grateful for. Um, because I do recognize that I have a gift for breaking down rather complex um, analogies or information into a way that's digestible. And I try to do that without ever making somebody feel inferior for not understanding, because I remember what it felt like to ask questions and be in academic settings as a precocious young Black child and being constantly shut down for wanting to learn more. And I feel like that is... um, beyond disgraceful and disrespectful to human beings. But I feel like it is our natural God-given right to be able to learn and learn as much as we'd like to on this earth. Um, So aside from all of that, when I completed my doula training, I remember being on fire. I was like, oh, finally, I've been looking for this. It makes so much sense. People need to know this. And then I got into the doula world and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Mm, I would love somebody to help make sure I'm doing this properly because I recognize this is life or death and I want to honor people well. I want to do this work well. Um, So when the opportunity came up with the National Black Doula Association to become a mentor and instructor, I was like, yes, this is perfect because one, I so align with NBDA in terms of creating a community and a hub for Black doulas in particular in the United States of America. We are like the Underground Railroad. And so when you know about us, you see us everywhere. But when you don't know, you're like, (laughs) how do I get plugged in? How do I make my way up to to freedom? Um, And so um, (laughs) being aligned with Tracy was great. I said, yes, this this works. Uh, And so I appreciated that they gave me a really solid curriculum to work with. We talk about the history of doula ing and granny midwives in the United States of America in particular. And I should say context is really important for me. So we talk about what it looks like to be a doula and a black doula in the U.S., given the history of enslavement in this country and how our work really came from the continent of Africa through, you know, the transatlantic slave trade to this country and what that has looked like and how it has um, the resilience of black folks and that it is perpetually available for us. But we also understand that because of that history of how black bodies were not seen as human beings, and then the ancient art and science of being a doula and caring for our bodies with the combination of medical intervention and 
herbal ancient wisdom was stolen. We are reclaiming that. What does that mean for us when we go into a hospital setting, when we go into a birth setting, when we are talking with clients about these are your rights to, to like to make sure that people understand they have the power, their voice is most important to include the partner in a way that um, I include that in my training, because I think it's important that um, since almost all of my clients are partnered to black men, that black men are seen as central in this experience and that they are also respected in this experience rather than set aside to a couch in the room and just like, you know, sit there until the baby comes. Um, and that they feel like an active participant because there are a lot of feelings that my partners, you know, my non-birthing partners have around, okay, we're welcoming a new baby into this family. Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling overwhelmed? I'm fearful. I am really excited. What do I, you know, how do I, how do I play a role um, in this and how do I build community for myself so that I am not exhausting myself trying to care for this, you know, my birthing partner and for our new baby. And what does that look like? So in my training, I get to talk about all of that. And I'm really grateful that I got to curate bits and pieces of the curriculum to what I have found to be most impactful for my clients. Um, and I let folks who know, know who train with me, like I, I am training based off of our curriculum, but I curate it to my experiences and the clients that I serve because these are bits and pieces of information I have gained over the last you know, six years as a doula that I wish had been a part of what I'd learned initially. And I can't fit everything I've learned in six years and all of the research and dedication way beyond that into a three-day training which is why I have a mentorship program. So I walk alongside my mentees for three, three to 12 months, honestly, to help them build a really solid business foundation, to help hone their doula skills, to work with me with my clients as available, or to help them learn how to attract their own clients and curate those relationships in a, ways, in a way that is true to the way they would like to authentically run their businesses. Um, and so it goes back to my also my belief that you know, black entrepreneurship is crucial to our community and to our ability to sustain um, sustain ourselves and to build wealth for our families, um, but to be able to pour back into our community while building our businesses. It's a lot of layers, but it is like an ecosystem of of actors and and structures and and things that allow for us to kind of <laughs> become more insular and protected and feel safe because honestly a lot of us need that a lot of us need to be surrounded and to feel you know enveloped in that way and so that's a beautiful way to support future doulas and current doulas and your mentees and it also is just like it sounds like your training is really supporting future doulas in always reminding their clients of the power and always reminding that your clients of the space to ask questions, the space to explore different options, the space to really manifest the freedom that they want to see for themselves in their birthing experience. I mean, that's why we wanted to initially do a home birth, you know, like we really wanted to maximize the freedom we had. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do that, but it's just, it's great that you're, you know, sharing your liberatory practice in this way. And I really would love to understand with our final question, just Who's inspiring you? Who who in the world of you know black birth workers? 
who are inevitably full. It's full of angry people, which is amazing because we have to stay angry. (laughs) But who is an angry black person, an angry African, an angry doula, perhaps, who has inspired you and really in, in you know, emboldened you to, to create this ecosystem for us? Uh, two people immediately come to mind. Um, one is now our ancestor, and I had the extreme privilege of working with her for about two to three births before she passed on. Um, Mama Claudia Booker is a renowned um, local and nationally um, Black birth worker and one of the, I would consider, pioneers for bringing back the birth experience um, for Black people and returning um, an empowering experience to folks. She often worked with clients who were high risk and wanted to find a way to access support within the hospital system or even explore if they could potentially have a home birth. Uh, And so she um, was a midwife in the area and she helped me with one of my clients who was high risk, who ended up being able to have a trial of labor at home and then transfer care. Um, But I will always remember Mama Claudia was a very direct woman. She was not finna play games with you and she was going to tell it like it was, uh, which I appreciated because especially as a young doula, I was like, I, I kind of want to do it. She's like, girl, you better say what you need to say. This We're not playing with people. This is life or death. And I was like, yes, Mama Claudia. I like shook myself up, got together. Um, but I will never forget her imprint on me and on um, you know colleagues that were able to work with her and learn from her. And I just appreciated her um, I'm sure she looked at me. I'm very young presenting. And so at that time I was, I probably looked like I was 14 years old. Uh, And I just remember her being like, you can do this. And I really like the way that you're talking to your client. And I want you to just pull yourself up, pull it together and help them have what they need to have. Um, And so that one little pep talk, I will never forget as like a, you know what? Mama Claudia is somebody I deeply respect and I really admire. And she said, that it's going to be okay. So I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. We're going to get it together for this client. Um, and that has actually been one of my repeat clients over the years. Um, and she also finally remembers Mama Claudia. One of my colleagues, yeah, I know. It's like, oh, just, I could talk for hours about Mama Claudia. I'm very grateful for her impact um, and her shoes will never be filled. They were very big. Um One of my colleagues, Joanne Montplacier, is the founding doula of Luna Doula, um, and she was one of your doulas. Jo is phenomenal. I like, (laughs) I can't ever toot her horn hard enough. Um, But she is one of my sisters. I want, I want to follow Joanne around and just clap for her. You too, my baby. I do. I want to just clap for y'all. Yes. Listen, we'll just do it for all three of us. Okay. Just a clapping triangle. (laughs) Because we're all phenomenal. Joanne is one of the most solid human beings I think I've ever met. And um, we connected randomly. I was working a job in New York. And then when I moved back, um, one of my colleagues was like, hey, I think you should meet one of my colleagues, Joe. She's a doula, a new doula, and she just moved to the DMV. And I was like, yes, we definitely need to connect. And we met up for brunch at this point. I think it was like five or six years ago. 
And we've been friends ever since. And we sat at brunch for hours, just like talking about our businesses and how we were so passionate about being doulas. And at the time we were, you know, very new in our business. Um, But she's one of those people who I can always call for, hey, Joe, let me tell you about this birth. (laughs) Do you have space? Um, Can I, you know, bounce ideas off of you? Um, And so I just appreciate that in a world, especially within the birth working world, it can be very clicky, unfortunately. There's a lot of territorialism. There's a lot of like, well, this is my client and I'm going to be in this area. And I just don't understand that. Like there are enough people in the world with a uterus who need support for us to not ever be clicky like that. And so Joe and I um, and one of our other colleagues, Brittany, have we're like a little doula, doula tribe. And so we uh, WhatsApp each other on a regular basis and have a space for support, for encouragement, for like, am I wrong in this? Can you help me figure this out? Can you read through my contract? Can we, you know, fix this business practice or like, yeah, girl, you can do it. Go ahead and get your merch together. So I just appreciate that a safe space because the same way that, you know, I want to create that for my clients, being an entrepreneur and being a black woman who is an entrepreneur (laughs) is not always an easy feat, um, as you know. And so having, you know, your tribe and your village make that, um, all the more enjoyable and a more rewarding experience. Um, but Joe is like, if when I go to have a child, I want her to be my doula. Like <laughs> she will be by my side. I need her by my side because she's one of those people that's just so calm and grounded and an incredible listening ear. Um, someone I deeply respect and admire. When you meet certain people and you feel like you've known them, there's like, oh, I feel, oh, we, we kind of get along, but it's like, Joanne is an ancestor. Like I've met her many times. She is. She's in my been life. here before. I promise you, she's been Absolutely. here before. <laughs> no, no, no. She hasn't been here. She's run shit here. Like she has <laughs> been. Like I get, yes. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about who Joanne could have been in these many different lives. She has Harriet Tubman spirit. She has like Winnie Mandela energy. Like Joanne is. Who both of you? I mean, both of you are people who have absolutely changed my life. Thank you for being such a um, a guiding light and an illuminating light on what's possible for me. You made a peaceful, beautiful, tender postpartum experience possible for your girl. So I love you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, and now I'm tearing up. Thank you for inviting me into your tribe. 